Will you 
and every one of you uh, to the service this morning. We hope you feel welcome. It's great to have all of our visitors here, and uh, we're glad you're here because we got a lot of people sick as I got the uh, prayer request this morning, so it's good to have everyone uh, here. We're going to open the service in a word of prayer, and I'm going to ask uh, my good friend, Brother Rick Purdy, if he'll come and uh, open the service in a word of prayer. Um play bring all your needs to the altar sister Becky um, brother Keith and sister Sarah Buchanan are uh, not doing well and are sick this morning sister Karen Buchanan's not uh, well brother uh, sister Shirley Buchanan is also sick this morning brother Brian McCall sick the uh, brother Ron and sister Tina Knobloch are sick this morning Brother John and Sister Laura Harwell are sick this morning. Uh, Brother David and Sister Karen uh, are not well. And uh, we want to uh, continue to remember uh, Sister Mary uh, Smith in prayer and Brother Richard who takes care of her. Uh, This last week, uh, my wife was lucky enough to get to spend a couple hours with them and visit with them and... um, Sister Mary, uh, for her, uh, the pain that she has with nerves, she's been getting shots, and it helps, but, uh, you know, she's on a walker and is having a tough time, and I know that they miss everyone here. They stream the service, um, but uh, we just want to continue to keep them in prayer and keep Brother Richard in prayer as well as a a caregiver helping uh, Sister Mary. And uh, we want to continue to remember the drums, Brother Joe, Sister Frida, that God will touch them, situations that they have. If you have any unspoken prayer requests, you can just make it known to the Lord. Brother Rick, if you'll come. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you here today. We're just feeling your presence already, Lord. So grateful for you. What a fitting song we just sang, Lord. And you are a healer, Lord. And all the prayer requests, Father, you've heard them come before your throne. We ask that you just touch every single one. They're needing you, Lord, here today and as well where they're sitting in their place, Father. We just 
We trust you for all things. We know that you are the God of all things, Lord. You're the healer. You're the... You're our Savior, and we just are trusting that you'll just continue to do that in our lives. And Father, we come before you, Lord, asking that you would have every situation in your hands today and be with the minister as he preaches the word, that our hearts will receive what you have for us, and that they hear and our hearts be prepared for that, Lord. And we're a needy people, but we're so grateful to be here today. And thank you for a place to worship. We thank you for loving us. and caring for us so much just looking forward to more of your presence and more worship as we go here we ask these things in your precious name lord jesus amen 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 uh we're going to sing one song before we have shout to the lord but before we do can you shake hands with those that are around you welcome them to the service it's so good to have everyone here I would be remiss if I didn't say hi to Esther, who I still remember as a little, little girl. She's all grown up and married now. It's good to see you're here. God bless you. My Jesus, my Savior. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. Amen. All of my days, I want to the wonders of my comfort, my shelter, a tower of refuge and strength. Amen. Let every breath, all that I am. Never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord. Earth, let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down. The seas will roar the sound of your name. Amen. Well, I'll sing for joy the work of your hands. Ever I'll love you. Ever I'll stand. Nothing compares Never cease to worship. 
sing for us. You can have your seats. Got a few specials. Um, right after Noah sings, Brother Cade, can you uh, make your way up immediately after Noah's finished? And then uh, Sister Kristen, ah, oh, there she is. Sister Kristen, immediately as soon as Brother Cade's done, if you could sing. Thank you. Oh 
that I don't have to be the strongest, cause you are perfect in my weakness, Lord, if you could move a mountain with faith like a grain of mustard seed. I wonder what you could do with me.
were low and their steps were slow as they walked along that long Emmaus road then a man appeared and as he drew near he said why are you so sad Are things really that bad? They said, Sir, have you not heard? You must be a stranger in this town. Cause the one who came in the Father's name, he been cut down they laid his body in the ground as they walked and talked he began to explain about this Jesus and why he came he opened the scriptures and began to preach the teacher of teachers he began to teach In the wilderness, the children had nothing there to eat. The manna from heaven fell down at their feet when they were dry and thirsty. In a foreign land, living water came forth out of a rock in the sand. And when the three Hebrew children were thrown in the flame, a fourth man appeared. They even called him by name. The manna, the water, the man, they're all the same. But if you're still confused, let me say this real plain. It was me. stars in the sky who do you think made the day and the night who made the flowers who made the trees who made the sun and the moon and the seas who gives life to all who believe who do you think made the blind to see who made the very air that you breathe who defeated death and won the prophet to speak who created swirls and made the storms to cease who drove Hattie 
for those uh, specials. Let's stand. We're going to ask our ushers to come this time and take up the morning offering. Aren't you thankful it was him? Amen. Brother Tom, it's a blessing on the offering. get ready to turn the service over to Brother Barry. Let's sing that falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing you ever did. Amen. Falling in love with Jesus. We're falling in love with Jesus. Falling Was the best thing I had ever done. In his arms, I feel protected. Yes, in his arms, never disconnected. In his arms, I feel. There's no place I'd rather, rather be. Amen. Oh, falling in love. Yes, falling in love with Jesus. We're falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love. Was the best thing I ever done in his arms. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, we're never disconnected. In his arms, I feel. And there's no place I'd ever rather be. be. Sing it again now, falling in love. Oh, falling in love with my Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in 
Lord, give him an offering of praise this morning. God is good all the time, God all the time, God is good. God is good all the time. Put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. Oh, God is good. again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time. Oh, my God is good all the time. Put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is God is good, my God is good, all the time. Hallelujah, give him another offering of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, you sing like you mean it this morning. You know, singing will never give it to you, but if you got it, you'll sing. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Everybody's already been welcomed, but let me do it again because we're always happy when you come and uh, be with us and worship with us here at HBT, and uh, we're just honored to have all of you with us today. Now, someone cautioned me not to welcome all of the visitors, uh, so I'm not really going to do that, but i got to do some, okay? Uh, so we're just uh, honored to have um, uh, Sister Megan's back here. Uh, God bless you, and uh, the Bylers, good to have the Bylers here uh, today with us, and the Heffernans, Brother uh, Cade sang for us this morning, his mom and dad are here, all the way from the Midwest, and we are honored to have them with us uh, today. Got to give you a little testimony, Brother Joe Pascal. we've been praying for him, and he's been consulting with surgeons uh, about operating on his foot, and uh, he's been incapacitated for the last couple of months, having to keep his foot up. And uh, this week he got to go see a team of surgeons who uh, he met at Duke University. I'm going to read you his testimony. And they were planning on how to do the surgery and all the different uh, components of the surgery. He said, good morning, Brother Barry. I got some good news. I had both appointments yesterday when the surgeons checked my foot, and it had completely healed in the ulcerated area. So he does not want to do surgery. 
he said I had to wear a special shoe and I got to start walking on it. And he said, and build the strength back. He said, God is so good. Amen. That's a miracle. <clears throat> that is a miracle. I'll tell you what, I've seen Brother Joe's foot. That is a miracle. We are glad to have Brother Troy and Sister Connie back with us uh, again. Brother Troy's been through a lot of testing, and we're just uh, delighted that you're with us today. Brother Danny uh, Florian is not here today. His cousin was killed or died in a laundromat in Boston uh, this week. It was a sudden uh, death, a real shock to the family, just a young boy uh, in his late 20s, I think somewhere around there, and it was a real shock to the family. So uh, we want to remember uh, Danny and Caitlin. Bill and Cindy Walters are not here. And uh, Sister Shirley Buchanan has really been going through a difficult time. She has COVID and uh, really been going through a tough time. So uh, Brother Keith asked us to remember her especially uh, this morning in prayer, if you don't mind. John Anthony is not well. Sister Hannah is over with her family. And so we want to remember them. Brother Mike Pritchard's brother-in-law, his name is James Hughes, uh, James Hayes, sorry. And uh, he is about 70 years old. Uh, on the way home last night from the banquet, the Pritchards were called into the hospital. They were there till about 5 a.m. and they're back again with the family this morning. That's why the Pritchards are not here. Ethan and Anna are not here. Uh, ben and Rachel are not here, and Anna and Jeff are not here, and their families because uh, they're all at the hospital and uh, they are sustaining him. And the doctors are at a point where they're going to ask the family to make a decision. Uh, Mr. Hayes is a real central member of that family, just a real good businessman and somebody well-liked and respected in their community. And so it's a huge uh, thing for their whole family over there. And they have a huge family uh, in Shingle Hollow. As a matter of fact, they are Shingle Hollow. And um, so they asked us if we would to remember them in prayer uh, today, if you don't mind. Today is a special day because it's Johanna Irish's birthday, right? Huh. Joe, how old are you today? 13 years. Really? 13 years old. Brother Andy, you know what that means. February 22nd is the Clayville's anniversary. Jeremy and Julia, are they, they're here today. How many years, Brother Jeremy? 20 years, really. Wonderful. That's a milestone. And we want to say that you guys are a blessing to us. And may the Lord richly bless you on your anniversary. Just so happens that the same day, the pews have an anniversary as well. And where are the pews today? There they are. How many years, sister? 20 years. Wow. Hey. Was this arranged? God bless you. We appreciate the pews very much. It's also Sister Judy Arnold's birthday uh, on February 24th as well. <clears throat> Before we came out, Brother Stacy and I were taking a look at uh, the memorial service for Brother Gideon Retief in Pretoria, South Africa. It's online, and uh, we were watching it today, and all of the... Uh, all of the ministers are gathered in. Brother Ron Peterson is going to be speaking at the funeral today. Ministers from all over the world uh, came to be with the, uh, with the family and the church there. And uh, a couple of days after Brother Gideon passed away, Brother George Martin in South Africa passed away. And so uh, they're going to be doing a couple of funerals for two great soldiers and veterans of the, of the cross. 
and uh, it's a sad day in South Africa because they were household names for sure. But one of the deacons in Brother uh, Ratif's church made an astounding announcement when he announced to the church that Brother Gideon had died. Brother Gideon was on his way to the evening service for communion, and he had spoken that morning, and uh, he told the church, he said, I'll finish this when I come back tonight. And on his way to church, just outside the church, he slumped over, uh, had a heart attack, died instantly, drove off the road, and uh, wrecked his car on the way, and his wife was in the car with him. It was a real shock to that church. But the deacon got up and made a statement, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And he simply said, you know, we have enjoyed Brother Willie Retief, the grandfather, uh, who God spoke through for many years in this church. And he said when grandfather died, he said, and Brother Gideon took over this church, and he said, God spoke through him. And he said, you know, we appreciated God speaking through those ministers over all those years in our assembly. And he said, in reality, nothing's changed. He said, God still speaks. And he said, we're going to trust that God will raise up another man and God will speak through him. He said, for us, nothing's changed. He said, we'll miss those men. We love those brothers. He said, but God's still speaking to us. He said, we'll go right on from this day forward believing that God's going to speak to us again. And I thought, wow, what a great attitude to have, what a great perspective uh, to believe that you know God is still watching over that assembly and God's still looking after them. And uh, so we want to remember those assemblies in prayer. Those are uh, two very uh, prominent men in South Africa, and we sure want to remember them uh, in our prayers today. Let's stand to our feet, and let's sing that little chorus. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone he'll carry us when we cannot carry Sing it again now one more time. Just worship him this morning now. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone.
We're going to invite Brother Stacy Goodbread to come this morning. We're glad, so glad to have Simmons, him and Sister Espy with us uh, this weekend. Brother Stacy spoke at our banquet last night, and we just sure enjoyed our time together uh, with all the couples. And again, we appreciate all that went into preparing and uh, decorating and cleaning up and everything. It's just such great energy, and we really, really do appreciate that. Brother Stacy is uh, down home, folks, and uh, you're going to enjoy the word this morning. So we want you to pull on that gift and just trust that God's going to speak to you today. Let's sing it one more time as we invite Brother Stacy from Orlando, Florida, to come and be with us uh, this morning. His strength is perfect when our perfect when we're weak his strong his strength is our strength amen when we're weak we have nothing but his strength is perfect when it has need when we have need of it all the time amen take a bibles if you could to the book of joshua and i'll have you be seated just for a few minutes there the book of joshua uh start with the fourth chapter and verses four through seven just a portion of of the uh, journey of joshua and uh, just going from there and like to talk about a little thought t- today about the markers of victory. I think we all have markers of victory in our lives that we can look back at and use those as, as uh, tools to fight the enemy. Let's go to Joshua, the fourth chapter and verses four. It says, and Joshua called the 12 men whom had prepared for the children of Israel out of every tribe. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark and the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up every man of, his, of you a stone upon the shoulder 
and according to the numbers of tribes and the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you that when your, cho- your children ask their fathers in time and to come, saying, what, mean of th- what means of these stones? And ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so. And Joshua commanded and took the twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan. And the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over them and placed them by that place where they lodged and laid the stones there. And Joshua set the stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest had bare the ark over the covenant stood. And they are there until this day. Amen. Lord Jesus, we pray you'll have your way this morning, Lord, as we come before you and we, Lord, ever have need of your perfect strength. We come, Lord, because we know you're the perfect God that holds everything we have need of. And I pray you'll just bring the Holy Spirit now amongst your people. Speak to us, Lord, as we talk about your precious word and all the things you've given to us. It's a privilege, Lord, to be able to be a Christian, to have a testimony of being a Christian, to stand upon solid ground, Lord, as a believer, and know that, God, who we are, where we come from, where we're going. Lord Jesus, you've given to us the greatest thing we have ever enjoyed in our life is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation of our faith, Lord. We ask you now to bless us and bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here in Hickory. First time here, and thank Brother Barry for inviting us and coming to the meetings and the event, the banquet. Had a wonderful time last night, and and uh, we just have a wonderful time this morning. Amen. It's been a privilege, and I greet you from the church in Orlando, and uh, we just are just glad to be here to you with you today. I I, I caught this thought this morning of markers of victory because I think that every one of our lives we have something that we have. I would think, you know, I would ask you, there's something in your life that you can mark and point to that's changed your life. I'm sure you can raise your hand. Most of you had something in your life that changed you. I mean, going to Calvary was a great change, wasn't it? Coming to the altar was a great event. It's a supernatural event. It wasn't a carnal event. Yeah, you come to the altar carnally, but there's a supernatural event that took place before you got there. It wasn't, you didn't go there and then it happened. I believe God has orchestrated it. God moved upon you. And God drawed you to the altar. So supernatural workings was happening before you even thought about coming to the altar. God began to move in your life. And these are things that we can look to. And then as you grow in the Lord Jesus, things begin to move in your life and things happen. And these events should never be forgotten. These times in your life that you can look to for strength should always be part of your life. And you should never leave them and never forget them. And always put them in a place that you can draw back and reach back and bring those things forward. Because you'll need those events in your life. You'll need these times in life that you know that God did something for you. You've got to have them. Every believer has them. You've got to find them. Sometimes the devil will hide them from you. But you've got to find these times in your lives where what God has done for you that gives you strength. And we all have them. You can look back and find them. It's just so simple. If you just take time and think about 
what God has really done for you. I, I look back at my life. I see my, my life. I was never a Christian much until I got about 23 years old. Then God began to move in my life. I, I was in the military and God just found me in the worst place you could think. Never looked for God. I never wanted God much. I was too busy having a good time in sin. And if you think sin is not fun, then you know what sin is. The world likes fun. And sin is satisfying to the world. When I was there, I know what it feels like. Now I see it as ungodly and I never want to do that again. But there you're so under the influence of the enemy. Satan knows how to satisfy the world. And he gives them everything they need and everything they want. And that brings a, a carnal satisfaction to them. I was found in a bar room, my testimony. I lay this to you because I need to tell you this. I was found in a bar room. That's where I was found. And God found me there. I didn't look for God, but God found me in that place. It wasn't a strange place. I've been there many times over and over again off base, doing things that military people do. The ungodly ones, it is. And I was there, and I, I was just drinking like I always did. And forgive me, I don't want to offend, but that's what my testimony is. And, one, and I was sitting there, and the music was playing. I was drinking. I can remember it like it was just right now. All of a sudden, something supernatural happened to me. I felt a hand, an arm, reach down inside of me and pull something out. This is real that I felt it. And it scared me. I looked around, wondering what just happened. Here me, never looking for God, but never knew what happened. And it bothered me, and it, and it continued to bother me. It feels like something was removed from me. And it bothered me for months and months and months and months and months. And I couldn't shake the feeling of what took place. But from that moment, things were different in my life. I couldn't enjoy doing the things I did, but I did more because I think, well, I'll just do more of it. You know, that's what you do. You, you, if you don't know, you'll do more. Try to satisfy something, but you can no longer satisfy what I used to have. And I just did more and more and more. And everywhere I went, my friends would say, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Ah, it's just me. Went back on D, off leave, on leave, back home. And my friends there, I just couldn't do what I did before. And they would say, You're, are you okay? I said, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Just me. And one day I, I was standing with my sister and she was going to church. And I was, said, well, I'll just be a good brother and go to church with her because just be respectful, you know. There's a church of God of prophecy. And I went in there and, um, not, and I've been troubled so many months now. And I went there and sat in the back of the church and they, I don't know what he preached. I don't think it's that much important because I think God just wanted to get me alone and get me still long enough, you know. And, and but there's an altar call made and people were at the altar and I just felt a draw to go to the altar. And they were speaking in tongues and trying to lay hands on people. And I never cared about that much anyway. But I wanted to go to the altar. And I went to the altar and I, I knelt down and I said a simple prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Now, it's, it says, well, that's a generic old saying, but it worked for me. <laughs> But right then, when I said that, that same hand that was found me in the bar came back. And, it, and I felt that same hand plug something back into me so much that I yelled out, that's exactly what was wrong with me. That was wrong with me. 
God came back to me at the altar in a church of God of prophecy and, and delivered me. So I stayed at church I remember for about two years in the church of God of prophecy and I preached a little bit and here in the domination and, and, but then there's something happened again. I felt that there's something missing. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Went to the libraries. He had no computers. Went to the libraries. Read everything I could. There's got to be more of God somewhere. And then I heard about a message. And that took me into this. What God has blessed me with. That testimony. Is one of the greatest. Markers in my life. Just you understand. When you feel. How many has felt like. Has the devil ever told you. You're just a hypocrite. I think it's his favorite thing to say. Oh, you're just wasting your time. You're, you just, you're just, just moving, going through the motions. You're not really saved. Look at what you've done. Look what you are. But see, when he does that to me, I reach back there in that ballroom. And I pull that out because I know God did something for me. God found me. The Bible says you can't come to God unless God draws you first. But that's what found me. And, and from that moment on, I, I like to have markers in my life because I need them. We've got to have them. Because those are the points in your life that God placed there that you can reach back and pull up and bring back before you. and says God did this and God did this. And God did this, and God delivered me here, and God delivered me here. And if God did it there, he'll do it here. You see, that's what we want to God. God's a living God. And what he did there, he can do again. And these are great markers in our life that we got to remember. And we're going to need them because every day is going to be another challenge because Satan wants to hide those markers from you. He wants to rob you of the blessings and rob you of your miracles and rob you of what God has did for you. And he'll throw everything in your way to do that. In Joshua here, we find out that they had a great miracle. They had a great time in their lives. And Joshua seen that God opened the Jordan. And God opened that water. And they crossed over. But he wanted to leave a monument there because there's a purpose for that. It wasn't just that, that. Because God did something miraculous there. And he did it for Israel. And he laid that there and he collected all those stones up for a memorial. I'll put a marker that God did a miracle, something here. And when God did it here, I want you to teach your children about it. When they ask you what God did, you're going to tell them what God did. And you're going to tell them how God delivered you and the Israelites from the, from the enemy and brung you into a promise. And that's going to be a plan that you always reflect back. There's a marker in our lives. They had it there. And we can see the Bible throughout the scriptures. You know, old Paul, that apostle Paul, what a man he was. He was a man that, that come from a, a, a system of religion. He thought he knew everything, but God brought him down to a place in his life. And you know what? When he come to that place and he was persecuting the, 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 the Christian people and he began to move out to go to that time and put more in prison. You remember the time he had that experience where he met the pillar of fire. You ever notice when Paul, after that, he began to testify of that all the time? You know why he did that? He needed that marker in his life. Because he also says, you know, when I do good, evil is always there. 
this old body, this old man. He's always there to haunt me. He's always there to cause problems in my life. He says, this old man says, when I do good, always evil is always there present with me. You know what that evil is? It was not God. It was the enemy. Always attacking him. So Paul had to use markers and remember what God did for him. He says, I was over there. He testified this as a defense when he was under investigation. God did this for me. He, I seen that pillar of fire. I heard the voice of God. I seen what God was doing. And that marker in his life was, was detrimental to him. And he goes and uses it all the time as testimony. I'm the least among you. I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. He begins to bring that, let you know, but God did this for him. And God began to bring Paul into that position. And I thought that's what markers are all about in our lives. And I can promise you, you've always used them. But you never know what you was doing. Because when you feel like, oh, the devil's put that old man that's always with you, Satan, he will always bring up those past experiences you had because you carry them with you. You know, you come in the world carrying baggage. You was born the baggage carrier. You were born in sin and carrying all the sins of the world with you. You was born. You was fell in that condition. And as a child, you grew up carrying a baggage of sin, unbelief. You come that way. Satan don't like to lose you. So he'll always remind you and keep you down by reminding you you are a sinner. But we understand that God brought markers in our life, and one of those things were we got saved. And if that's the greatest marker, well, I would say that there is because the greatest marker that we can look to right now as believers. Yet your experience is good, but the greatest one takes you back to Calvary. Calvary, when you find out you have something in your life and the devil says you're just a sinner, you're just a hypocrite, and you look to Calvary, you says, I'm sorry, but God said it's finished. My My sins were washed away there. He took the burden and every sin and all the things that I have ever done and every sin was washed away and completed and finished there at Calvary. Everything was completed. He says, it's finished. There's no going back further. Satan can't bring it back, but he can remind you. And one thing the devil is, he's a good reminder. He never stops in his life with you. He'll always continue to hammer you and work on you and get you to be absolutely destroyed. And the only thing you have on you is your faith in what God has given to you. Your revelation is the greatest offense. And what happens is God is giving you the supernatural experience to raise your faith up. When you have need, he raises it up again. God always raises up a standard against the enemy. Where is that standard coming from? It comes from his word. But where is his word at? Oh, it's the Bible. No, it's not the Bible. It's the Bible in you. It's the word that's now living in you raises up with you. It's what God is doing in you. It's the supernatural experience, the movement of God, that supernatural power that, that found you and cleansed you and saved you and delivered you and put you on the right road. We come from many different roads we have. And many different backgrounds. You think those backgrounds aren't there to haunt you? Every day they'll will. You'll always have that man behind you. 
That all nature will always be back there. Not here, but back there. And what we do, always haunt your experiences. Always trying to degrade and demeanor demeanor what God has done for you. And you got to take a choice. Am I going to listen to the enemy? Or am I going to say, Lord, you've done it there. You've done it for me here. You've done me. You delivered me here. I'm going to stay with you because you've done it once. You'll do it tomorrow. And I need you today. We can use those things as the greatest weapon that and we can silence the enemy every time. Is that all right with you? I can look to the, Paul's testimony. I can look at David's testimony. You know, David, a little fellow, a little boy there. When he come up against the enemy and come up against Saul and all the challenges, he says, well, the, God delivered the lion in my hand. God delivered the bear. God did this and God did that. He can deliver me to, to, to the old Goliath. He, he used those past experiences where God was delivered and God's power delivered him. And he took those simple little life experiences that God did and brought them to the present day. And he says, the God that did them is a God that's going to slay Goliath. I don't need the shields. I got God because he's the same God. He does the same thing. He did it there and he does it there. And whatever he's going to use, he uses the same weapon. And he destroyed that enemy. So, so David went to Goliath with a marker laid down. God did it there. God's going to do it there. And Goliath fell because of that marker in David's life. His faith raised up to meet the challenge, you see. And it always will raise up and meet the challenge. You know, I always like the story of little... The Shudamite woman, you know the Shudamite woman, Elisha was there and she was a good lady because she had a husband, she had no baby, no children, no doubt barren. And she was just, you know, a good family and here come Elisha and she seen that was a man of God. That was a real man of God. He said, honey, let's build him a little house. Let's build him a little house on the side of our house and make a bed and make a little table, make a little light candle stand that he can sit there and read and rest on his journeys. And they did. And Elisha stayed with that little woman there. And then God told, and then he, he God felt led to anoint the prophet, said, bring the woman. And he gave her a promise that she would have a baby. That was a miracle for her. You know, that stuck with her. They never left her. The Bible says it stayed with her, you know. Look at real quickly to the book of Kings. You can turn it or I'll read a little bit for you. Whatever you like. The book of Kings, 2 Kings, it says, verses uh, 4, chapter 4. And I'll read a little bit just to understand. Chapter 4, and I'm going to go down to the book of the 8th chapter, 18th chapter, 18th verse of chapter 4. It says, and when the child talks about the experience she has, but I'm going to skip down to where we can see what God did again for her. Now watch now. Here she was. Now the child's grown up now. It wasn't an infant no more. It's grown up now. People, sometimes we don't understand the length of the Bible. Here comes Elijah, one chapter, in a few minutes there. Here comes Elijah, and the child that was born when, a, when, he, when he gave him that birth, heard that baby, now he's grown up, the Bible says. So he's no longer a baby. He's probably a young fella, young boy, helping daddy in the field. Not baby in a manger, or the little, little baby we're crawling around. He's been years now. Elijah's been gone. But yet what happened, even through all those years, when something took place, and that baby fell sick. What did mama do? She looked back. 
Oh, Lord. Oh, that Elisha. Where is he at? The God of Elisha gave me that baby. The God of Elisha gave a miracle for me. And that same God that gave me that young boy is the same God that's going to raise him up again. You see, she didn't, it was that marker, that is an event in her life that she used to, to destroy what the devil was trying to do. And that's how it is for all of us in our lives. We've got to make sure that our markers are set in a place that we can bring them up when we have need. And not let your testimony, not let your experiences die off in some, some way you forget what God's done for you. It's important to remember Rehearse what God has done for me. Think sometimes when you go home, sit back in your chair, maybe 35 years in this message and are Christian and you can look back. What did God do? Mark those things in your life. Write those things down. Put those things in remembrance again. And you need them, you bring them back up. And you let those testimonies, those markers, destroy the enemy when he comes up. But I promise you, he'll do that. And I promise you, you'll be victorious over that. That's a victory marker for your life. So she pulled out that experience years ago. And that baby was born. And now my baby's dying. She's laying sick on the bed. She's, honey, I'm going to get Elisha, the prophet. He did these things. In verses 8, it says this. Says 18, and when the child was grown up in full day, he went out into the father's reapers and, and he thought, Bible talks about he had pain to the head. He probably had a heat stroke, whatever he may have had. And he went down and laid the baby on the bed. Now watch, let's go back further. And we find out here, let's just go to verses 23. And he said, where if thou go at that to this day? Is it neither new, new day or Sabbath? And she said, I'll shall, it shall be well. Now she had faith. That when she had found that prophet, that everything's fine. She had faith enough to say it's going to be well before she got there. Because she knew the same God that gave the baby has got to bring the baby back. So it was not that I hope it'll be okay. She had faith in the God that brought the miracle. And now she needed faith to God that bring back a miracle. But her faith was steadfast because it's all going to be fine. See, that's faith talking That's not the old man there, this old man beside me. That old man beside you was probably, no doubt, haunting her. I'm promising you. You don't think the humans are humans. The first thing the devil says, well, there it goes. So much for that. But no, it's not. This road is not an easy road. You're not going to get by, and the devil is going to let you slide by easy. Everything, every challenge, every road you take, every child, every stride you take, Satan's going to be there to throw a roadblock on you. And you got to be ready to bring back a marker and to challenge that devil and lay down the truth and lay down the word back to him. Right. And you can you can quote, you can experience, you can you but you can repeat me, but repeating me is not going to help you. Repeating someone else's experience is not going to help you. Well, you know, some, she, God did that to her. I, I like that. But when God does it, does it for you, that's a great marker for you. That's where God, know, you know what God has done because you experienced that moment. And that's the moment you got to go back to and remember and bring it back to the present moment and fight the enemy. And he'll do the same thing. And he'll, he'll, he cannot defeat you on that. So here she comes now. So she went up and came unto the God, man of God of, at Mount Carmel. 
And it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, he said unto Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is a Shudamite woman. Run now, I pray thee, and meet her, and say, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. You see, you see, she wasn't just tell, telling someone else's testimony. Yeah, no, it's good. And she brought that marker with her to meet Elijah. She knew that the same God was going to do a miracle. I think that's what we got to do. And she began, and God divorced, delivered that little young woman again, that baby, to her mama, to his mama again. You see, that's what God does. You know, I can look today in this nation, and you watch the enemy. If he can destroy the history of a country, he'll ruin the nation. Because we learn by history. We see what, what we've done as a nation, how we fought evil in this America. And people, I'd still believe we have the greatest country in the world, even though we, we hate what's going on, but this is a great country to live in. And we had a great foundings, and we have great founding fathers that put together a constitution, and we fought for liberty and freedom. The prophet talks about that, did he not? He said, you're American, and you can be identified with this nation. You can be identified with her and all the things that she did. You can be identified with this nation. You was there with George Washington. You was there when they fought the battle and revolution. You was there when they kicked over the tea bags during the time of the rebellion against, against England. You were there at all those events. Those are part of your history and those are part of the nation's marker and you can identify with it. That's what he was telling you. You identify yourself with a nation that makes you an American. You identify, I would say, the nation and its experiences and its overcoming power and its victories. You are American. And if you're a Christian, you identify with Christ and his victories and and, and his blessings. And you're a Christian because you identify. All through the prophet, you can identify with Moses when God delivered them out. Is that right? You can, you, you know what? How many of you believers today, and you can take what you believe and take what God's done for you, and you can identify yourself with the apostles? You can. You know what they had is the same thing you got? Nothing better, nothing less. There was common people. I went to the villages, went go to Israel, enjoy that time. Going to the small towns of where Jesus grew up and, or in, and where the apostles lived. And you can see, not a big place, but you can grab the understanding. They were common people. Little homes on the coast. Fishermen and do things. And Jesus came and brought his ministry through there. And something grabbed them. Something changed their life. Well, that's what happened to us. I, don't, I wouldn't go in here, but I'm going to go to... Go to uh, First, I think, uh, let's see, First Peter, I think it is, or Second Peter. Let me go. I'm sorry. First uh, John. And I'll, I'll explain to that. First John. And let's go to First uh, John. Let me find my scripture here, what I'm going to do here. First John, and let's go to First John 1, just real quickly, just to understand what God does. And you can, you can take this message and you can look what God's done for you and reveal things to you. And you, there's a miracle there. Something happened to your life. You know you did. You didn't go to the altar and come back a dry-eyed confession. God moved and you moved in your life and changed your whole life. Took those habits away. Took those problems away. Fixed your marriages up. Changed your life. Put it in the right direction. And God's been taking you down that road ever since. And getting better because God's getting more in your, and every day you have a problem, God's there to bring forth a deliverance. 
We're not a problem-free people. We have issues. We have times we got to overcome. We have, we have children we got to raise up in, in the times, and, and this nation is, is not easy. you got to face those things. you got to face a time of marriage when all the world's falling apart, and you got to hold together. you got a church. you got to hold together. Amen. But watch here. Here's the apostles. People say, you know, what is the message? Can you tell me what the message is? I said, sure, I can tell you one word what the message is. It's light. That's it. Simple. This is the message. God is light. And what does light do? There's the key. Light reveals all the hidden things in in, in, in the word. Light is a revealer. And light revealed to us who we are what we are, where we come from. Light revealed to us an open word. Light is a powerful thing. And light brings life to a believer. Light has quickened you to quicken you to this hour and what you believe. Light does that. So what's the testimony of these brothers? He says, in the, in the, in that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and looked upon and handled, with, handled the word of life. Can I ask you a question real quickly? Is it something you handled? This message, have you seen it? Have you heard it? Not just Brother, Brother Barry's, not just me, not, my, not even the lips of Brother Bantam. Forget, forget the man. It's not a man's message. It's not a man's teaching. It's not some man's group. It's not man's church. This is God's church. This is God's revelation. This is God's word. The opening of the seals was God's doing. God sent a prophet was God's doing. So when you, when God does all the movements and God does all the things, it's God that reveals to you the things. Because in Revelation, the 10th chapter, when he brings down the mighty angel and the seventh angel comes on the scene and verse eight, it doesn't say you'll go to the, go to the bride pastor or go to the prophet. He says, go back to the mighty angel that he reveals it to you or you're just a parrot. You need revelation. And the only good one that gives you the revelation and the anchor of your salvation is Jesus Christ. So here they says, we've heard that which from the beginning. The denomination has no idea what they're talking about, but you can identify with that. I heard something from the beginning. They heard, these are farmers, these are fishermen that says, that which from the beginning we've heard, that's we've seen with our eyes, we looked upon with our hands, we've handled the word of life. That's a revelation. He said, for this life was manifested. We've seen it. We bear witness, showing to you the eternal life. We show to you eternal life. How can you do that? It was so real to them. They could tell you about it, but they can't. They can't. I want to show you, but how can I show you? But they, revelation was so rich. they They want to, oh, let me show you this thing. If you could believe it. You see, their faith was so ignited. And that which we have seen, heard, declaring to you that we may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. These same things we write unto you that your joy may be filled. And this, listen, this is a message, always been, always will be, which we heard, which we, with him, which we declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And we say we have fellowship with him. We walk in darkness. We lie in the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You see, now this was their experiences. That's your experience. You can identify word to word with this scripture. You can, re- Revelation, you know good and well what you got. This is the same thing. Does this identify with you? 
You can't explain the things you've heard. You can't explain the things you see. You can't explain the thing you, you know God's doing for you. You know you believe in light and God is a light and this is the light of the world. And God's bringing light to you. But how can you? It's something you, God has given to you. Now there to you should be another marker. Another victory marker. You see yourself identified in the Bible. You know you believe the same way these brothers believed. Is that okay? But watch now. So we hear, here we are, we're in a time that, that we, we have a, a, a great challenge ahead of us, but Satan's going, Satan's going to be there. He's going to just try to destroy you. So what are you going to do? This nation's wiping away in the natural all the memory of the past because they don't want you to know you want to destroy you. If they destroy the, na- the, na- the, the history, they destroy your country because you don't know where you came from. You lose your identity. You, you become like a spiritual amnesia to a people. When you lost and you leave a country, you don't know where you came from or where you're going, your name. You've lost your identity. You have a spiritual amnesia. And the prophet says spiritual amnesia, but God is quickening you from that. We come, we didn't know. I was born, didn't know who I was. But at the altar, I found out who I was. You see, my amnesia was cured right then. I recognized I was a son. I knew who I was. I knew where I come from. Before that, I was wandering in darkness, fighting the, uh, an enemy I knew not of. But I knew now that God delivered me. What is that? That's a marker. Can you, can you grab that tonight, today? Can you grab that today? He said, I'm taking that home with me. I'm going to use that marker. I know what God's done for me. And here we go. So now we find out that when, 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 when uh, uh, the, the wiping away of history, but if Satan can try to wipe away your memory and your history of your experience, he'll do that so you have no, no ability to fight him when he comes to you. Don't forget what God's done for us. Don't forget the miracle God's done in your life. It wipes away all victories. You know, I came and I love history. Brother, I love history. I go down, I enjoy the Civil War history. I enjoy the revolutionary history. I'm a history buff. I taught my kids history all their life. Whenever time an uh, 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 event comes up, I, I, what day is it today? Uh, Pearl Harbor Day, good job. What day is it today? Uh, this day of Normandy invasion, good job. What day is it today? Oh, the tea party. You gotta, what? Because I like to quiz that. And now bring on, then I'll take the Bible and do the same. What for? To lead the people to show them what has been done and the victories has been done and your message has been God has done for you. That's why you got to let them have their own victories because they need them too. You hide them in a co- little cocoon and, and scared to send them out and scared to send your kids to youth meetings and scared to send your kids over here. Why are you scared? Bring them out there to grave victories. Get them out in the field. They can get victories in the, in, 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 as, as a, a child of God. And teach them what God has already done. Let them find their own experience that they'll carry with them all their life. They'll need that when they get older. They'll need that when they get married. They'll need that when they have children. They're going to need these things that they gather in their spiritual walk as they have battle. There are weapons that you can use to defend the enemy because now look at the nation. Look at the nation today, gone absolutely insane. And here we are as a believers holding the fort and holding down the righteousness that God has laid in for we should hold into. And what has happened, they can't, they don't know no more. But here we are. And I watched, and I said, you know what? I've never seen a monument 
in all the times I've watched that says, here's a battle we lost. Let's put a monument on this field because we lost the battle. You never see that. Who wants to put a monument of losers? And we, but there's always a monument about a great battle that was fought and the victory was obtained. You never see monuments of failures, always monument of victories. So never, and so with you, don't put up monuments of failure, always monuments of victory. Oh, you fail all the time. Fine. You know where that goes? Under the blood. Not on a marker for you. That goes under the blood. Let those things, I don't want to put them up. I'm going to put them down under the blood of Jesus Christ. Wipe those memories away. Wipe those things away. And one thing I know about the blood of Jesus Christ, it's always done and it's completed and it's finished. You can't go back there. You can go back there. But the devil will always go back and try to bring back your memory or bring back your past. The devil knows your past. He knows the past more than you do. You forget a lot of things the devil don't. You ever think... You ever thought one time where the devil brings up something? He said, I forgot all about that. You ever forget about or remember something you never thought about before? I ask you, some bad thing you did. All of a sudden, wow, where did I get that? I remember that. How did I remember that? Well, the devil will get, reminds you. It wasn't something you dug up. <laughs> the devil dug it up out of you. And he reminded you, you know why? Try to, try to defeat you. Try to destroy your faith. Try to say you're not a Christian. You nothing but a hypocrite. You know, remember the time you get drunk all the time and fall slap on your face? Well, yeah, I remember that. Remember the time you fought and hit that person you shouldn't hit? Yeah. Remember that time you did all these things, those things you shouldn't did? Yep. Why, why do I remember that for? Because devil brings him up. It's his job. He's a great adversary. And you can't get mad at him. I'm getting mad at him. That's his job. He's a good job at his job. One thing he's good at it. So, but don't worry about it. Don't get mad. Get even. <laughs> get even with him. Fight the battle with him. Bring back to him. Well, I remember now, but God delivered me from that. And I can lay it down to who when I did. I can, I know he revealed to me, he delivered me from that old barroom experience. Oh yeah. Yes, he did. You, he can't fight that. He can't fight your revelation. It's anchored. It's solid. He hates revelation. It's the worst thing. He, he hates the beginning. He hates the ending because it shows he become from and shows his ending. But we like the beginning and we like the ending. Satan don't. The worst battle, the worst, worst uh, I would say the worst weapon is your revelation of what you, God has done for you is a worst, worst weapon that Satan has, that Satan hates. Use it. Don't be scared to use it. I think that's what we need to do. But those markers aren't there for victory, for failures. <clears throat> those are there for victory. And like people say, you know what? And I like sports too. I like to be victorious though, right? I like, okay, we, have, we know everybody's a winner. I don't think everybody's a winner. That's just me. <laughs> Not everybody's a winner. But there are all those that do win. And we should give them a marker. A little trophy. You ever have, nowadays, everybody, you can't win because you're going to offend somebody. No, you need to offend people. If you don't play good, you lose. And the boys and girls that play good and win, come on up here, you get a trophy. It hurts them tough. Next time they play better, practice harder. See, that teaches our children. You know, be winners. 
I don't want to be a loser. Teach them. You know, have a good time. They, they, you know, it's all about having a good time, not by who wins and loses. I like winning. So stop that. <laughs> and the kids want to win. They don't like that little, what are you doing? Daddy, what are you talking about? I want to win. Well, you can't be. You got to be nice. Forget the niceness. We win or you lose. I want to be a winner. And I believe we're on the side of winners. Yeah. Amen. We're on a winner side. So, and, and teach your children how to win good. Put it that way. You know, you need to learn how to win very well. If you win, you rejoice and win, but don't badmouth a loser. Say, you know what? Don't worry about it. You'll play better next time. That's how you do it. A good winner. You know, throw people things in people's face. A good winner. That's how we are in Christians. We're good winners. We don't condemn the other team because they lose. We don't condemn the sinner because he hasn't got, you haven't won the victory yet. We give them encouragement, but winning helps him to see there is a winner. All right, if there's no winner, then why challenge? Why even go to challenge the enemy if there's no winning side? But Christians are winners, and we are an example of what it is to win against the world. So when you see a Christian, the best thing you can do is be a good winner. And tell them how you won. And tell them what God's done for you. And that's it. Don't sit there and ask them, so how long have you been in the message? I hate that. What does that make a difference with you? How many? What years does it take? Does it take 30 years before I'm a good message, people? A 30, oh, I'm a better message guy than you. I'm 35. You know, I, I know people that, that left and they always say, I was preaching for 40 years. Where does this 40-year thing come from? Moses? They like to pick these things out, nice little numbers. What difference does it make? How long? See, that's just the enemy trying to cause you to be a bad, bad winner. But be a good winner. You don't question people. When a sinner comes in the church, I tell my people, when a sinner comes in the church, you've got to be the best winner in the world. You've got to show them how, what God's done for you. But when they come, a good person sits there and loves them. Don't judge them. Don't, don't take the yardstick up and measure them. Don't condemn them. They come in dressed immorally. When they, maybe a woman comes with pants on and a boy comes with shorts on, that's okay. Let them come in. You're bigger than that, and it's not going to hurt you. You're a mature Christian. It's not going to worry you and take your salvation away. But what they might get out of you being here and show them love, they said these people are the loveliest people, and they look so nice. And you know what? There's something there about that. So you don't condemn them. You don't judge them. You bring them in and show them love and, and says, come on in. You're welcome. Amen. And they go out. You say, you know, it's been a nice, how are you doing? You don't sit there and, and, and bring on interrogation with the people. It's not your job. Your job as believers is to show love and be an example to the world and let your light shine. Amen. If there's any interrogation, usually the pastor will take care of those things later on. But if you're done in the right way. We got to be, that's the type of winners. That's how, that's how we show that we are in the victory lane. When we are Christians in our experience, we're mature Christians. We're bigger than the little things that haunt, that, that aggravate other people. You, you know, uh, people are scared nowadays to even talk to people. They're scared to talk to denominations. They might see, I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, you know what? If you, I have people say, but Stacey, can I go to my family's, we're going out of town. Can I go to my family's church? I said, for sure you go to your family's church. Who cares? Can you be lost? Are you scared? To visit another church. My family, going to the church. I go to my family. Is there a church of God? I go there. 
Sit down and enjoy the message. Eat what I could eat. And throw it. I converted to the Church of God of Prophets, Church of God. You know, it's okay. You, you're, you're a mature Christian. You're greater than that. Nothing comes to deceive you. You can't be deceived. The Bible says it's impossible for an elect to be deceived. So be a light wherever you go, though. And be an example. They see there's something real. They don't know. There's something identified and real. But Paul had such an absolute in his life. But what gave Paul that absolute? Those experiences. Oh, now we know God gives you revelation. That's the absolute. But I do believe when I have a, a, my, my conversion was a revelation to me. Salvation is a revelation to me. These are absolutes in life that we got. Absolutes in our life that we can go back to. And that's the place we fight from. An absolute. And I can absolutely guarantee you. What God's done for me gives me an absolute. Gives me a standard I can stand. Knowing that God did that. I know God moves in my life. Amen. Revelation brings me to that. So what happens in our life now? You know what? I believe sometimes when we allow the enemy. When we walk and we carry Satan lets you, you know, he'll carry, Satan carries memories of you. I'll put it that way. Satan carries his memories, right? And if you let him do that, guess what's going to happen to you? If you listen to that memory and you don't use those weapons and don't use these markers, he'll cause problems in your walk with Christ. He'll cause problems in your marriages. He'll cause problems in your children. You'll walk in insecurities. You'll, com- you'll have com- com- complexities and you'll have anxieties and you have no confidence. That's all you'll do. Useless. A weak person. Because you don't have enough faith to know what God's done for you and use those resources to defend the enemy. You listen to the enemy. And you listen. And you, well, yeah, you, there's, the, there's the problem you don't want to do is listen to the wrong. Don't give an ear. Eve made the mess up, didn't she? Eve listened to the enemy. If she stopped listening and went to Adam, and Adam would have said, nope, don't do it. But she didn't. She went with her husband. So what happened? She didn't. She thought she could figure it out herself, and she began to listen, and she began to to, uh, conversate or try to defend the gospel. In what way? Under that atmosphere? No, the wrong atmosphere. Satan got her in the atmosphere, out of her league, in her wrong place, and her out of her atmosphere, and he got there. She can't defeat the enemy there. That's why I don't go in a bar room and sit down with a Coke and cola and say, let's talk a little while. That's not my atmosphere. But I'll find them on the street corner. You'll find them in the grocery store. You'll find them coming to church. See, now you've got it on your game, on your field, right? So don't be the fool by the devil and say, well, let's go out and, and, and go to the bar. We'll sit down and talk about it. No, that's not my avenue. I don't want to go there. But what happens? We get these things and we lose our confidence in what God's done for us. And our, I was ourselves that we don't. And then our faith gets so diminished, we can hardly raise up to believe. Because Satan destroys that little faith in your life. And you can't raise up to defeat him. He's got you exhausted in your experience. And I think that's where we got to be careful. Don't listen to the devil's lies. Recognize he's a liar. Recognize that your experience is greater. And you have given, God has given you the greatest things and the greatest markers that you can use to defeat the enemy. And that those complexes, don't bring them in home. You know, people come to church with, with all kind of baggage. We come out of the sin. We were born with baggage. And then a lot of times we collect baggages again. I was saying the other day, at our home, I've been going to the Goodwill for probably five years from now, all the time. More than five years. Because I would pack up, my wife would say, my daughter, let's get all this stuff out. We're going to put it in the Goodwill. So I'm, I'm happy. 
I want to get everything in the Goodwill. Get out of the house. Get out of the garage. And I got boxes and packing, packing bags, pack, and I put it over there. Get ready. And then I'll put it in the car and put all the things in the car, getting ready to take it all to Goodwill. And then it's, hold up. We haven't looked in that bag yet and see if we need anything. Need anything? It's been there for five years. You haven't touched it now. Why do you need it? So I never make it to Goodwill. So I say, okay, I take it back out of the car, put it back in the garage, and it lays there another year. And then we, okay, let's go again. And the same thing happens. It's carrying baggage, things we might need. The old things are wore out and no good, but we hold on to them like one day there's going to be a need. A drought, no shoes in the world, clays all of your shoes. You know, you, you carry that thing. I'll need it one day. Oh, I'll need that one day. I better not throw that away. What is it? It's a piece of metal this big. Oh, I'll need that. What is that for? I don't know, but one day I know I'll need it. And that's the problem. We'll hold on to things thinking we might need that. Well, God don't want you to hold on to these baggages because, we, because what happens is, it is the truth. You, you, you come into marriage with baggage. You sure do. Don't tell me you haven't. Past mamas and daddies and uncles and aunts. Nephews and uncles and, 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 and brothers and sisters, and they have the same on that side, and they come together, and you bring your all, because they was raised different, and you was raised different, and you come together, and you have a little tug of war when you get married, because mama of the, of the, of the bride wants to do it this way, and mama of the, of, of the groom wants to do it this way, both want to do the house together, and you, you bring these things. You know, marriage is you, and then you come with all these things into your, your relationship, and so, but now it's time to, Bring those things out. Kick out these little things. You know, that's what marriage is all about. God's got you together. And you was on your best behavior. You know, usually when people are courting, that's the best you're going to get. They dress good. They do all the good things. They make sure they, brother, what should I do? They, they, they run everything through everybody. How should I go to this little time out together? And what should I say? Don't look all right, dad. Yeah. You know, that's the best you got. So if he said, well, I'm going to get him, I'm going to change him. You're not going to change him. You're going you're gonna to have the same boy there, but now he's got a, got a wife. You know, that's how it normally is. So if you're courting, courtship is to see what you got. Make sure that's a white girl you want, a white boy you want, and then, then, then that's what you're going to get. Hopefully they get better. Uh, I don't know, but they just grow together. You grow together. You learn, you mature together. And then you weed all the little things out, I guess, in your life. And that takes for a long time. And it takes all your marriage to weed out everything. Because when you grow in marriage, you still pack more things with you. It just don't, it don't end, does it? But thank God there's a love and divine uh, love between the family, the wives, the husbands that, that overcomes those things. Is that right? It is. So we, we, we have these things, but, you know, let's not the devil bring up these memories because it's going to cause you a lot of issues. Let's just enjoy God and let God take you and mold you in the image of him, right? And let, let his mind be in you. Let his thoughts be in you. You know, real quickly before I close, I want to read what Paul said about that in Acts. And I thought it was really good when he was talking about, talking about these things in his experiences. And I'm going to find it here real quickly. Uh, what he said, I think it's it uh, Acts 7, I mean Romans the 7th chapter. Romans 7, look what he said. Romans 7. How many can now, I'm, I'm going to find all my markers and lay them in my arsenal. Do that. I promise you, it'll be great. And, and another thing, while you turn to Romans the 7th chapter, verses 15. Uh, but when you remember, we, bring, we come to church with, with all kind of baggage too. 
You know, what happens is when you have, and I don't mean to be, it's not marriage thing, but usually I've found out when, 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 when people have a, when sisters have a bad marriage, or I, I would say a bad pastor, and they have, and they leave a church with abusive pastor, and there's people out there that can hurt people. Do you honest? And they come in there, and they come, but I'm coming to your church now, and my pastor really rough, and well, there's going to be an issue because she's got to overcome that because she has a complex. Or maybe she has a, a bad husband, a, a history, a bad mate. And she comes into church, she's been abused. It's going to be a problem with the man because can't she trust a man now? You see, there's a man complex. These are things we can carry in our life that can hinder the church work, hinder your experience with God. Clear those things out. Let God deliver you from these things. Don't carry these complexes and these, and these little things in your life that you say, ah, it'll be all right. It's not going to be all right because it's going to be there lingering. And one day it's going to raise up and cause you a lot of problems. Get everything out of your life. You can find, if you see it, raise up, adjust it, address it, and get rid of it. And Paul said here in this uh, in verse chapter 7, uh, Romans the 7th chapter. Is it the 7th chapter? Make sure. I'm sorry. Romans 7. Let's see here. I'm sorry. 719, I think it is. Yeah. 719 through 20. I'm going to read this real quickly. Seven, chapter 7 verses. Uh, uh, let's see. 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwell no good thing for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Do you see the challenge he has? The devil's always there was haunting him about everything. And man, guess what? You think, yeah, I, good reasons, brother, brother Barry, good reasons. The guy was persecuting believers. The guy was out to put people in prison. And no doubt many died on his hand. One of the brothers died on the hand. A deacon. Remember the deacon that died under the hand of Saul? Uh, Paul, I mean, yeah, sure. What, so you think that doesn't bother him? By all means. That was, that was a thorn in his flesh all the time. Satan reminded him of all the things you profit to those people and you put them in prison. Hindered him. It's always for good that I would not do, but yet evil, which is not, which I would not that I do. What now, if I do that, which I not is not more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in me and my members, warring against the law of my what? Mine. There's where the devil works. That's the playground, right? The battle goes right back to the law of mind. There's a warring going on. The law of mind. And bringing me into captivity of the law of sin. By the mind? Yes. Satan will captivate you. And put you in captivity by the thinking, by the thoughts, by the reminding of all the things you've done in the past. And not, and, and not exercising your right as a Christian to say, they're under the blood. They're under the blood. They're under the blood. That's all you got to say. They're under the blood. God delivered me. Under the blood. God did this. God did this. Keep doing that. That's your fight. Don't fight him with, with, with anything else. But fight him with these experiences. Fight him back with a word, right? The word that's given to you, these things. And I think, I know you'll be more than able to overcome anything that comes your way. Un- and just go, I would close this. There's so many untapped resources in your experience. If you would just grab a hold of them things and use them and bring these things up and use those resources that God's given to you to break the ba- barriers of the devil and break those sin barriers and break those mind barriers and just continue to work and work and work and put your, put your, your mind on Christ and, and stand fast and tap into those resources what God has given you to use. Don't sit open-minded and, and, and blank-minded.
I don't believe we should trust just anything with an open mind. It's the devil's playground. Your mind should be full of the word, not an open mind. Well, we're going to go with it with an open mind today. That's a, that's a danger point. When your mind's open, anything comes in, where's the guard? The word's a guard of the mind. Never be open-minded to anything. Have the word in your heart, knowing exactly what you stand for. And when the enemy comes to try to bring some wrong thought to you, you have the word to defend that thought, to defend that against that enemy. And that goes with everything about your salvation, to the word, to what you believe, to this message, and anybody else. Your word, should, that word of God should be there in your mind to guard you from the things of the enemy. I love the Lord because God's given to us that ability. We have what? The mind of Christ now. We have that mind. Let's use our markers in life to, to be victorious. And don't let them lay in the, in, in the relics of your experiences. Bring them back up. Dust them off. Exercise them. Remind yourself of these things. Go back and rehearse the miracles that God's done in your life. Rehearse how God delivered you. Rehearse your salvation experience. And tell your children and tell those around you. Let them do the same thing. Is that okay? You love the Lord this morning? I think God is a mighty God. And he's never going to leave you nor, nor forsake you. His word is for you. His word is there to defend you. And all you got to do is exercise the promises and exercise every word that God's given to you. And you'll be fine. But that's what our job is. The pastor can't do it for you. Usually the pastor's always last to know anyway. I am. When did you, when this happened? I don't. I didn't hear about that. Well, it did. Well, why didn't you come to me? Well, they went to so-and-so. Why didn't so-and-so come to me? I don't know. And I'm the last to hear about it. That's not a good thing. And if I just come to me first. I have people sometimes, you know, have a hard time with their, their finances and so on. And they wait the months and months. And I said, why'd you come now? Well, I said, you should have came to me months and months and months ago. We could help you. But now you're so far gone. How can I help you? you know, we have to bankrupt the church to help you. You know, but if you could start at the very beginning, you know, and help one another, see, and then come that way. So let's, let's make sure we use all our resources in God's kingdom and be kingdom husbands, kingdom wives, kingdom children, and go forward. Is that okay? Amen. Let's all stand. God bless you. Amen. Hope it didn't leave you too long. But I love the Lord. Amen. Praise you. When you see a marker out there one day and driving by, remember your memorial. <laughs> remember these things in your life. Remind us of all, all these wonderful things. Amen. Can we bow our hearts just for a minute? And I'll turn it back over to Brother Barry or the song leader. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your grace, your mercy, Lord. We've read the word of God and we know that, Lord Jesus, your word is true. Your word is an anchor in our soul. Your word is a defense mechanism for us, a defense, a, a mighty tower. Your word, Lord Jesus, is the, is the weapons of defense in our spiritual walk. You've given us these relations, Lord Jesus, through personal life, these markers to lay down. And one day we got to drive them deep and drive them deep in our life that we'll never remember, never forget them. They'll always be before us. And we'll never let anything cloud our vision, nor what you have done for us. We see the scripture over and over again, believers testifying of what God's done for them. Not for the world to hear and less, but maybe they need that. I think, Lord Jesus, our testimony sometimes is for us. Others will get a benefit, but really testimonies are for us to grow and to remember how you've been so wonderful to us. Your gracious, your mercy, your forgiveness, our salvation. Oh, Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. 
And forgive us if we've let these remembrance and let these wonderful events that you've done for us just, just go off into a, a place of forgetfulness. But Lord, remind us. Help us to remember the wonderful things that you've given to us in our walk with you. And Lord, that we can remind you how much we love you, how much we care, and how we're thankful for taking us out of the world of sin and putting us into the light again, Lord. We're grateful for that. And these are times in our life, Lord, help me to remember that I can use those in the weak times of my experience. I can use those, Lord, in the hard times of our homes, our lives, our marriages, our difficult times. I can remember all the good times we had and will overcome the bad times. Raising children, Lord, help us to be good parents that, that when they're young boy, when they, when they achieve, let us be there to bring a celebration for their success and never leave it silent. Lord, they need us to give them encouragement, to tell them how great they are and how special they are. They need us, Lord, to, to lift them up, to give them that, in, that, that celebration and that, that they can know that there is a part that mom and daddy knows and in spirit they want to be part of my life. Lord, uh, it's so, so much things we got to do. We want to be part of one another's life. When people feel successful, let's be all there to celebrate when they're sad, let's be there to hold and weep them with them and cry with them. And it's time, Lord, that we as body, we, we go to the need. And, and whatever the need is, we'll go there and support them, celebrate them, or cry with them. But during this time, we celebrate these victories and we weep when the hardships are there. Help us, Lord, as believers, to hold together as a believers. This time, we got to hold tight, support each other, stand fast in your liberties that God has made us free and behold and Lord the, the power that lays before us and the vision that you have set before us Lord knowing that we are that bride we're walking in the step of the beat of the gospel that was a vision for me I was there you saw me your prophet saw me in that marching I was there I don't know where I was but I know I was there your prophet saw me marching in the step of the beat of the gospel I was there he saw the end time bride and that was me somewhere maybe in the rear I don't know if I was the one getting out of line, I'm going to get back in line. I know that because I'm going to march on that. I didn't stop marching. I just got back in line. Lord, help us to walk in line. Stay with the truth of the word. Love one another and keep us together, Lord. Bless the little church. Bless Brother Barry, the pastor, Lord, the people, the musicians in this little fellowship. Done so much work, Lord, for all around the world. You'll just anoint and bless this place and bless the pastor and all this labor is done for the people and Lord just give them Lord that special anointing and blessing to go forward keep us today in Jesus name we ask and pray amen amen thus how great is our God singing how great is our God all will see how great, how great is our God. Will the splendor of the King clothe in majesty? Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice.
Let's sing it this morning. How great is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. All will see how great. Yes, how great is our God. And age to age he stands. And time is
it again now. Yes, I stand, Lord, I stand in awe of you, my God, I stand, oh, I stand in awe of you, holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Sing that first verse again now. atmosphere here today. Let me tell you, if you're ready to drive down a marker today, there's never been a better day for you to surrender your life to Christ and make that day a special day in the eyes of God and in the history of your life. Let's sing it this morning here together. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to Yes, I want to see Power and love as we sing, holy, holy. 
ransom my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see It's all about you. 
singing now. King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Hallelujah. Oh, no one we can All I have is yours. Every single breath. more than a song. Song in itself is not what you have designed. You search much deeper within to the way things have been. You're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, but it's all about you. Yes, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made, and it's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. Oh, sing that second verse now again. King of endless worth, no one could express. Give the Lord. Hallelujah. Draw me close to you. Let's sing that. My goodness, I, I just, I'm, I'm glad I came to church today. 
What a weekend. What a wonderful time in his presence. I just feel like I don't want to go. That's, kind of, that's really how I feel. I don't want to go. Brother Stacy's. I made a decision during church. Brother Stacy's now become my favorite preacher. Because I think winning is good. I think goodwill is good. Yes, yes. God is good to us. God is good to us to give us markers. God is good to give us markers of victory in our life. Are you going to sing a special? Okay, I'm not a singer. I want to say something. I know some people maybe just go through all go through things, but if you're going through something and it is trying to you and it seems like it's so difficult and it seems like things are raising up in your mind, the devil's fighting you. I quote Blabam says there, he says, Now listen, instead of advancing or and on advancing on and see God's promise, let's look it says we look back and see what uh what bought let me go back. It says instead now instead of advancing on and see what God's promise, we look back and see what some brother behind us says, or I would say what people's done. Let's not look back, look forward, keep moving on. We have tapped resources. We have untapped resources to find and look forward. And every divine promise, and that goes for everything, your life, your home, your marriage, your family, you make sure you confess and say it's finished to the devil. It's placed in the blood. And don't go back and bring it up. Done with that. Don't argue. Don't try to explain it. Your faith says it's finished. Leave it there and believe, have faith in that finished work of Calvary. And everything in our lives is there. When God came and went on the Calvary and the blood came and that blood was shed for you, everything that you can possibly go through, every sin, every, every, every iniquity, every problem of life, it was finished there. And we got to make sure when you... The worst thing we can do is argue with the devil. Just say it's finished. Leave it there. Let your faith, let God do the work. Let the blood be the work. And you just have faith in that little saint. It's finished. And have faith and believe. And be happy. And rejoice. It is finished. Before you even get it. They know that little Shunammite woman, before she got home, she said as well. It was all well before she got there because she didn't look at the symptoms. She looked at the, she looked at the miracle. She looked at the same God and she knew it was finished. She said it was finished in a different way, didn't she? It's well. It's finished in her heart. Can we do that? I know some people may have not come at the altar, but say it's finished. Amen. And stay there. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I was at a church just recently and uh, they were crammed to the gills, you know, and, um, Pastor took me outside, and, and uh, he was showing me around out on the outside of the building, and he said, see those markers there? And they had four markers put down in the edge of the parking lot. And he said, that's going to be our future fellowship hall. That's where it's going to be right there. Now, the fellowship hall is not there, right? It's not there. But the markers are there. And when the markers go down, that's a, that's a, a hopeful thing for everybody because now they know that's where it's going to go. Now, exactly the size, the shape, that's where it's going to be right there. So markers are not only a thing that we regard in the past, but markers can be a sign of something that's coming in the future. Prophecies are markers, aren't they? 
prophecies let us know. God's driving down a stake. It hasn't happened yet, but God's driven down the stake. We don't have it yet, but you know what? That's going to be. And when you look back, you say, that's where God did this, and that's where God does and this is what God's going to do in the future. We're surrounded by markers. That's a great thing. And they're all markers of victory. One's in your past, one's in your future. Glory to God. I think that's wonderful. You've got to stop pulling. You pull the preacher right back up here to give you another quote. It's just amazing. Hey, God is good to us. Let's sing this morning. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I'd lay it all down again to hear you say I'm your friend and you are my Help me find the way. So help me find the way. Bring me back to you. You're all I need, Lord. Jesus, you're all I've ever needed. You're again now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and just give them praise this morning. Hallelujah. How we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you praise and honor and glory. Hallelujah. Oh, let's sing another one. Let's sing another one. You are God alone. You are God alone. You're deserving of all of our praise and our glory. What an atmosphere in here this morning. I believe God can do great things. You know what? And what you should do this morning, if you have some need, a private need, in faith and believe that he's here among us today. You're not a God created by human hands. You're not a God dependent anymore. 
destroyer he's a God who never fails but truly he is a way maker he is a way maker let's sing it this morning
sing it again. Let's let's sing. Let's start again.
just keep her light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, we just want to say we love you and we thank you, O oh God, for your love to us and your patience with us. And Lord, how you have helped us, Lord, to become established in the faith of the hour, Lord. You've given us markers behind us. You've given us markers ahead of us, Lord. You've mapped out a path for your bride that only your bride can walk. Lord, you've given us great resources. Many of the resources still lay untapped. But God, I pray that you would help us, oh God, to just continue to open your word, Lord. And and Father, may your Holy Spirit just reveal these things to us, that Father, we may have faith for every step that lays ahead of us. We commit our hearts and our ways to you, Lord. We thank you for our time last night. We thank you for our time in your presence this morning, Lord. And Father, may you just bless and anoint each person now who's praying, Lord. And may, Father, you just consider the weight of their prayers today, Lord. Incline your ear to their cry. Father, we know there's many people who are not here today, Lord. Those that are hurting, those that are suffering, those, Lord, that have been stricken by disease. Father, we pray for all the Pritchards today and ask, oh God, that you be with that family, Lord, in the uh, in the passing of this uh, gentleman, Lord. And we just commit them to you, Lord. We pray, oh God, that you'd raise them up. That would be our prayer, Lord. But, Father, the very best thing we can do is say, Thy will be done. And, Lord, we place him into your hands. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that you care for us today. And now as we go our separate ways, Lord, may you just minister mightily, Lord, to each one. Bless our fellowship. Bless our time together today, Lord. And may your presence linger among us. Help us to walk victoriously, Lord. Bless Brother Stacy, Lord, and Sister Espy, and I ask, oh God, that you would just uh, get them back home safely tonight, Lord, and Father, may you just go with them and be in attendance in their work, Lord. We give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. How many can say it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Singing as you go this morning. If you want to linger a little bit in his presence, you're welcome to do that. May God bless you. We fall down and we lay our crowns of Jesus. Greatness Bye.
Cry. 